Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Upfront Denlander. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. What was all the bloody worry about? England are through to another final after a cracking 3-1 win against Australia. It will be a first World Cup final since 1966 and obviously a first World Cup final ever for the Lionesses. We're back from the stadium and ready to talk about it all because so much was happening. I'm saying probably the best game of the tournament. Am I biased? Absolutely yes, of course I am. Three one. I mean, Rach. I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump straight into the, the the feelings of it. I think um, before we even get into like the nitty gritty of it, obviously a very consistent starting eleven. Nothing was changed from the last game. Felt like a bit of a return to Wiegmann's finding form, sticking with that back three with the wing backs with them, um, Daly and Bronze pushing on. This seemed to be the right fit for this game. I mean, what did you think? That first half, I felt comfortable. I felt we were in control. We had the majority of the possession. I think the first 10 to 15 minutes, I thought were a little bit hairy. The balls were going over to Sam Kerr. And I think she did obviously have that one-on-one with Mary Earps really early doors. And that did seem to be like the, oh shit, is this going to go sideways moment? But it didn't. They stuck to the game plan and, and rode out that slightly, you know, turbulent wave. Um, but yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts on the first half? Um, I always find with these matches that it's the first kind of 10, 15 minutes where you suss out the opponent and you're like, okay, is this going to be like an all-out gladiator battle where both sides are throwing everything at it, a bit like the Columbia game? Or are they going to, you know, sit back a bit and and you're going to have one team kind of impose their game plan? Um, 
I felt like England's game plan was probably a bit more in charge, if that makes sense. Like there was a bit more to England's game plan, I thought, um, than Australia's. I thought England were a little bit maybe sloppy in possession just early on. I think it just took them a little while to get into their rhythm. Um, but generally they they looked comfortable. I thought with the three at the back, sometimes Australia were able to overload on the on the wings. So like your Catleys and your Fords or your Ellie Carpenters and your Hayley Rassos. And I thought sometimes it would happen that two of the the back three would go to that and then kind of be a little bit exposed but Australia really struggled to capitalize on those moments and so it it just especially the first half it just never really felt like they were actually going to score a goal they didn't have any goals on uh, shots on target I don't think in the first half and so yeah England kind of looked a bit more comfortable and that's something we're starting to see now with them is even in those moments when it looks maybe a little bit hairy or a little bit nitty gritty they have the composure to kind of see it out um I thought they did a very good job of breaking up Australia's rhythm I thought Australia did that a little bit as well it was like when the game was on it was like 100% like everyone 100 miles an hour high tempo and then when the ball went down it was like okay let's just take a time take a time you're gonna take it slow and and so it was a real like really fast really slow kind of moments you'd have moments where you're like it's like walking football and other moments where you're like out of breath just watching it so yeah the first half had a bit of everything I thought but the goal massively kind of settled my nerves I I thought and I did think England would see it out just from the way they were playing until Sam Kerr well you can we can move on to that like Sam Kerr did her thing um but where do you you tell me where you want to take this game dissection next I want to take it into the sphere of game management because I think that is where England have matured and excelled at this tournament. Like We have ground out results. It's not always been pretty. It's been fucking hairy at times. But at the same time now, like we see England, yeah, playing the ball into corners or like hoofing it out into the crowd or Mary Earps was taking the absolute piss today. There was one that she, there was a, there was a goal kick on the, uh, on the six yard box that she carefully placed and then moved it a couple of inches and then stepped back and then went to replace it and then step back again and all meanwhile the Australian fans are going absolutely fucking wild they're like boo boo like giving her so much abuse and I think the abuse spurred her on and I think actually what England did really well today was turn the negatives turn the crowd against them into a factor that motivated them I said I was saying to um you know in the blog in the uh, in the athletic and I said it felt like England were really coming into this identity as a pantomime villain this this game it was almost like they got off on the fact that they were breaking up play that they were boofing it out that they were you know playing it into the wings to like you know progress it up upfield or you know all these game management tactics where you do just run down the clock like that goal just before half time they knew that it was so important to see out that half on top Australia trying to get that equaliser before half time like we tried to do with Colombia in the last game would have been an absolute no-go it would have completely changed the face of the game so those little game management tactics frustrating the players the the amount of fouls that we had in that first half I think there was like eight fouls in that first half not great from Alex Greenwood obviously picking up that very early yellow which then I think there were concerns there it was very blatant but also I think it was a tactical thing I think she had to do that because Sam Kerr was making a very dodgy little run behind her and she was causing all kinds of threats so I think sometimes you do have to take a hit for the team and like credit to Greenwood I think she's been absolutely outstanding this tournament and this game so I think game management wise I think England in that first half, they did like the little shits game management. It was just like those little horrible tackles, those like, you know, 
pushing players into like the boundaries and like the LED boards or like just going for that those Lucy crunching Bronze ones. One. Yeah, there's Stupid. little things like that to rile them and you could see them getting riled. And I think that's why we ended up opening up a little bit of space at the back for then that Ella Toon goal. I mean, when you saw that Ella Toon goal hit the back of the net, I thought it just summed up everything that was just this about this tournament. Because out of all the people that you thought were going to save England today out of that starting 11, would you have put your house on it being Ella Toon, who's kind of been slightly absent, shall we say, or not grown into the, the games this tournament? Would you have put it on Ella Toon? Who would you have put to save the day today? Probably not. And, not, and that's not only because Ella Toon's not had her best tournament, but I also think England just haven't been at their free scoring best other than maybe the China game. So I, I don't know who the hell I put my house on to, to definitely score a goal. Do you know what I mean? Because there were times where you're kind of sitting there going, where is it going to come from? Um, so yeah, I wouldn't want to put it all on the fact that purely down to Ella Toon's performance. I think there's also the element that England just haven't been scoring as comfortably as maybe we would have would have expected from them. Um, but yeah, I thought, like you say, that the narrative around the whole thing was obviously this historical moment for the Matildas. The fact that the whole country got behind them, everyone was talking about it. It was all the rage, the, the rage, all the buzz um, coming into it and kind of England just quietly going about their business, just going to quietly arrive in Sydney and just pop into the stadium here. Don't mind us. Uh, we're just going to come in and just play our part and hopefully um, ruin your dreams. Uh, no big deal, um, <laughs> which is exactly what they did. And I, I do think like there has been a lot of narrative, you know, because a lot of people don't like England. Fair enough. Um, but a lot of narrative around like, yeah, but you haven't been playing well. And it's like, well, if your team's not playing that well and they're still getting through the rounds in the World Cup, do you care? And not losing a like, game. You're in the final. Do, do fans really care how their team get there, but they get there? Like, I'd, Wouldn't fans rather have their team not play that well and make the World Cup final than, you know, absolutely boss it, Japan, looking like they're probably going to win it and then being kicked out in the quarterfinals? Like... You know, it's not always perfect. And I think football has shown us that. And I definitely think this tournament has shown us that, is that football isn't always perfect. Teams who you expect to be excellent don't always play their best game every single game. Um, and it's how you get through it. And I think that's what England have done. England have gr ground out this World Cup tournament. They've done whatever needs to be done within games to get through them. Um, whether that's not playing well or whether that's, you know, having to s slow down games, which I hate, or, you know, whether it's having to make loads of different changes. I think that's been key to, to how they've gotten through. It. And I think it's also a testament to the standard at this World Cup that going forward, teams are going to need to be able to do that. Like in general, not just England, every team, they're going to have to be able to play different types of football. They're going to have to be able to win when they're not playing well. Um, and it's I don't think that's ever really going to change that much now. I think as all of these teams get better, it's just going to get harder. For sure. And I think um, one of the nice things that I we're now seeing, I suppose, is that there's a reliance on the youngsters and a trust. Like people like Ella Toon, people like Alessia Russo, people like you know, Lauren James, who are now sort of stepping into the kind of roles that the Ellen Whites, the Jill Scotts and things were kind of taken before. And yes, they probably weren't that present at the start of the tournament, but it is something that you grow into and they weren't everyone knows they weren't final cylinders but like you said like we've won it well, we've not won every game but we have we've not lost a single game in this tournament i mean we are the only squad now left obviously to not do that so we deserve this place in the final regardless how we get there like if you get from here to bondi beach and it's in an uber x or it's in a ferrari does it really matter? It would be nice to do a Ferrari, for sure. Absolutely. But I'd take an UberX all day. And it's cheaper. I can't believe you didn't planet. use a horse. 
in that no, analogy. No, no, I'm getting away from the horse if, analogies, okay? That okay, was last so. season. That's last season's vibe. Okay, so, given that Ella Toon scored this absolute wonder goal of a rocket, Mackenzie Arnold couldn't get near it, couldn't touch it, couldn't touch it with a barge post. And she, you know, she's had the absolute tournament of her life. So to get that kind of shot away on Mackenzie Arnold was insane. Do we think now that she has taken Lauren James's spots? Do we think that Lauren James and all the disciplinary issues that happened a couple of games ago, you know, the minor little back thing happening, um, do we think Toon should be starting on merit and also on morals? Oh, on morals. I mm. mean, yeah, that's yeah. a different story. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a really tough one because, like, Lauren James in a lot of the games that she played in, not the Nigeria game, showed that she was the difference maker. So when England mm-hmm. were struggling, she was the one who was finding the solutions. And I think against a Spain, I think you're going to be relying on the transition, on the counterattacks, on getting in behind their defenders. You need to know that those pinpoint passes are going to be right and that they're going to be able to be found. You know, you might not get a lot of them. You look at how Japan beat Spain, very, very little possession. You need to know that those balls that get sprayed through the middle or out wide are going to be accurate. And that's... Toon did play much better today. Obviously, great goal as well. But that's that's the difficulty. It's 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 got to be on what the game needs, not who who needs to feel better or who played well in that situation. I think the game against Spain is going to be a different game to playing against Australia. And it's going to have to be based on what is needed in that situation. So I think it's rather than it being based on who deserves it more, if you know what I mean. It's got to be on like what pieces of the puzzle fit best in this situation, I think. Okay. And based on what we now know of Spain, <laughs> tell me who's going to play. Because you, you seem to be, you seem to be, yeah, you seem to be saying a lot of stuff that makes sense, but you don't necessarily seem to be putting any kind of flagpole into the sand, and that's the that's the crux of the issue here. Like, I think if we take away the morals and we take we look at who Spain are as opposition, do we think Lauren James would be a better match? She's more physical. She's had more presence. I think she probably needs that confidence boost to come back into the squad and redeem herself. That's a factor as well. Um, but Ella Toon scores a wonder goal. She does, but I also think I think Lauren James provides those key passes and finds those passes, those moments to unlock a defence or on the counter. Um, so yeah, I probably would. Um, but you know, knowing Serena, I mean, we all thought we knew Serena. We clearly don't. So you know, for all we, we know, Jordan Nobbs is going to start. <laughs> we actually don't have a clue I mean one of the nicest things actually about the game at the end was I mean Serena looked quite relaxed actually she wasn't doing her kind of usual pacing up and down uh, the technical area Gustafsson was he looked like a broken man in the second half and I was like there's still a lot of games to play you've still got 40 minutes left Tones come on chill out relax they're, you know they, they're, they're still doing really well um, but Serena in the huddle at the end she was just so animated, so happy, so kind of like, it was just like, oh, Serena, I just feel like this is everything that Four you deserve. finals. Yeah, I mean, you get like, everyone has been giving you quite a little bit of shit this tournament. We don't know what she's going to do next. Was that the right formation? Is she going to mix it up? Should she have brought this person in? And she's just been like, shut the fuck up, all of you. You know nothing. I'm an expert. <laughs> and look where we are. You fucking like, moody British people. Stop. <laughs> 
four finals is crazy. 2017 winning it, 2019 World Cup final, 2022 Euros winning it, 2023 World Cup final. Like that's an incredible stat to do with two teams is is crazy. 37 games played, one loss. Um, She is some tactical genius and like to be able to, she's making those players win this game even when they're not playing their best and yeah you're right I think sometimes people really want to have something to moan about so even when the team is like progressing it's like don't they just yeah but you're still shit and you're like but like you're in a final now is that okay it's not we good just enough. need to leave her alone <laughs> do better. let's just all leave her alone like the next year race that we have like she might do something really fucking wild Mary Epps might go into number nine and we're like oh my god that's absolutely crazy and then all of a sudden we've won another year race alright so let's all let's all just park it actually in Serena we trust but also I did say uh, England Spain final so yet again I'm like Scotty I'm like the new Scotty when did you say of that? predictions uh, that was in the last podcast. You were, you were on it. That, no, you didn't say that. You you just said yeah. Spain. You didn't say England. No, you were on it. Yeah, yeah, you were on it. I'm pretty sure you were on it. Anyway, look back. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's give a really big shout out to Lauren Hemp, okay? I think she deserves her own section because she had an absolutely phenomenal game. There was nowhere that that kid wasn't. It just, it was defensive. It was midfield. It was up top. It was scoring a worldie. I mean, race. Setting up another one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she might as well have saved a goal. Like she was just across every aspect of the pitch. And I think the passion that she had to recover the ball, to kind of get into the right positions, the deliveries, I think everything was just flowing for her today. Do we feel like that is the kind of new role that she now sits in, this kind of partnership that her and Russo have? Do we feel that she's she's comfortable there? And that that's her, this is her shining moment in that role. Yes, I think... This Lauren Hemp is what I thought we'd get from her in the Euros last summer. So I'm glad that she's she's found her rhythm. She works really well in the two because I think I said this in the last podcast, she seems to have managed that balance between being wide and being direct. You know, because I think in the past she'd be out really wide and wouldn't massively be affecting play and she'd just be sending in crosses and hoping for the best. Whereas now she can choose to be more direct. She's supporting Alessia Russo. And Russo has support now, which I think she kind of lacked in previous games. So actually, that 
works so well and, and it feels like sometimes she can turn her defenders inside out whether she goes wide or whether she cuts inside um we saw that with her goal the pressure she put on ellie carpenter she just she put a hand on ellie carpenter's shoulder a legal hand on ellie carpenter's shoulder and it was enough to just put the shits up ellie carpenter because she was like <laughs> she's on my she's on my back fuck and that's where the mistake came and she was able to score that goal then her her run for the third goal from like inside England's half all the way down and then like a no-look pass reverse pass to Alessia Russo perfectly weighted that Russo could just keep running and take it on her first touch um and she's massively I think stepped up in this the, the circumstances where England were kind of like oh god Kira Walsh is injured oh god Lauren James has a red card and she's kind of like she's not panicked she's kind of said yeah okay this is my moment to shine um and she got player of the match which was brilliant um so yeah, I thought I thought she was fantastic against Colombia as well. So delighted for her. I agree. I mean, I've got absolutely nothing more to add to that because I mean, apart from saying that she was phenomenally excellent player of the game, absolutely well deserved. There is literally nothing more we can say. And I hope that she we see exactly the same thing happening in the Spain game because she is going to cause absolute riot. Absolute riot. Um, right, we should probably discuss, you know, some things that Australia did today. Uh, one of them being Sam Kerr's first start back in the tournament. Obviously, a ma- it felt like a massive thing for them to have their captain back for this particular game, this very history-making game. Obviously, she scored a worldie. It was ridiculous. It was kind of... Um, that, for me, signalled the first bit of fear starting to creep in, that this was going to be... Because that, uh, that that seemed to spare everything on. And then as soon as Sam Kerr scored, the crowd went mental. And then that became another factor that everyone had to contend with. And I thought there was a little bit of an onslaught after that, the first five minutes after Sam Kerr scored, that they could have easily maybe conceded another because there was a couple of deliveries that were coming in, especially from Rasso on that right-hand side, these high balls that Sam Kerr was making contact with, but just not well enough. And we were just lucky, I think, that she didn't direct those headers in a more difficult area for Mary Earps to save. But at the same time, once we'd had that second goal, did you see the look of disappointment on Sam's face? Like it was disgust. It was horror. It was like, um, look what I've done for you up that side of the pitch. And now look what you've done in defense. You should be ashamed of yourself. Sort it out. I'm not here to be a hero. But at the same time, I thought, I don't think that's the right approach, Sam. I don't think that's the right kind of... um, She missed two sitters. This is what I'm like... You can't throw stones in a glass house. That's the thing, Sam. And you can't. You can't be slamming your defenders when actually you'd be three. You'd be three one up by the the school line would be completely reversed had you actually converted some of those chances. And they're big errors. So you've got to you you've got you've got there to was, convert that. Uh, there on, was one, on. I think it was when England were two one up. I think it was two one. And it was back post and it was wide open. And she put it wide and like there was a, a close up of her face on the big screen. And I swear to God, she was almost in tears. It was almost like she was like that. That was the moment that you're going to look back on and be like, that was it. That was the moment to kind of take this level, potentially take it all the way to extra time. And I was like, like when she scored that first goal, I had that thing where I was like, oh, brilliant. Sam's camp, Sam Kerr scored in the Australian <laughs> World Cup. That's so fantastic. Why the fuck did she have to do it against England? That's so great. Um, fuck. But also, shit, now they're back in the game. You know that thing where you're like, oh, yay. But also, no, this is terrible. Um, so I was like, you know, get the shot. But then also like, fuck it. Um, so, yeah, there was that moment where you're like, oh, God, is this where they turn around? Because the crowd, like, 
oh my god the noise it was, yeah it was it and was then every worse, time they went Columbia. forward after that it was like oh god they're gonna score um, <laughs> so yeah getting that getting that second goal to just kind of ease things off a bit because that felt like i'm delighted that she got a goal uh, at her home world cup but equally i'm glad it wasn't the one that kind of led to them kicking england out of the competition so um 100%. Yeah, jesus those chances oh she'll she'll not sleep tonight it's that I just didn't appreciate the way that she launched into her defenders and then didn't have the perfect game herself and also the fact that that was her first fucking start and they'd got to the semi-final pretty much with her pair a few sporadic minutes there like hey there and everywhere so like Sam have an appreciation that you wouldn't fucking be in this position at all had your squad not pretty much had to deal with the whole competition without your hun but we move um, she was obviously very upset I mean Steph Catley was um, amazing in the, uh, in the mix zone very kind of like you know reflective about what this experience meant for the you know the, the Australian people how it was going to take Australian fo- football forwards like the inspiration of young girls and I thought that was amazing and she spoke up a little bit about the lack of resources and like how she thought this was going to be a sort of provoking moment to try and get more funding for grassroots football going up yeah because at the end of the day like I know it's disappointing for them but they've made history like they have changed like this country wasn't known as a soccer loving country like you would be hard like you wouldn't land here yesterday and think that this is a country that wasn't interested in soccer or women's football I'm calling it soccer because obviously football over here is AFL like they have changed massively brought people on board with them you know we were having brunch just down the road from where we are here today and there was two old ladies behind us and all of a sudden the conversation turned to the match tonight and I couldn't help myself but turn around and be like, oh, like, are you going to be watching the match? And then we started having a conversation about it. One of them was from Wales. One of them was from from here and how much they were looking forward to it. And they don't know now. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat England, but like whatever happens, they've done so well. And like our taxi driver was 70 plus and was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a tough match. Like it's permeated so many different parts of society. Every coffee shop and blackboard had watched the Matildas here, watched the game tonight. Like everyone was invested and I know it's disappointing that they didn't get to the final and they didn't have their fairy tale ending but that doesn't take away from what they have achieved because it's massive it's historic and you know they can kind of leave this tournament with their heads held massively high as can Australia and New Zealand for the tournament that they've they've put on massively and I think um, you know obviously they were the only non-European side going into the final four and I think um, I went to sort of a panel event uh, just before the the, uh, game started and some of the Matilda staff were basically saying that where they wanted to get to for this World Cup, they had to really reflect and look at the experiences that these players were, were having. And a lot of the experiences were, you know, dealing with teams who are ranked sort of like 20th, 30th plus, 50th, 40th plus in the FIFA rankings. And the biggest focus for them in the last two years is playing teams that have been in the top 10. So they were saying, I think they've played every single team in the top 10 within the last two years and like to get that experience of a higher grade of football because like the European teams, the Norway, well, I would say Norway, but actually they completely underachieve every time that we come to a tournament, but the Englands, the Spains, the Germanys, like the Swedens, like these are all sides now that they are absolutely like going through and like they have experience of like this is a, it, that, I think it's that like they didn't for them to have made the final would have been a bonus for them to have get where they are now is absolutely fucking outstanding so yeah and I think I've just been so impressed with the kind of fever surrounding the World Cup like the vibes like every time you get into a lift there's a yellow shirt you get into a cab you're talking to the Uber driver about who they've seen there you know you're walking down the street and there's like an, an England fan but like they're an England fan who lives in Australia who's like an expat from somewhere else or 
you know, the amount of like different, the community around it and also just how it's another example also of how lovely a tournament can be. There's been no, like, I know I, I don't want to compare it to men's football, but I think the comparison does need to be made sometimes. Like the Euros had no violence, no aggression. There was no homophobia. There was no like vandalism. There was no police incidences. And we've seen exactly the same thing in another major international tournament. There was 75,000 people crammed into that stadium and everyone was good yeah. vibes. They might have booed Mary Earps. They might have like, you know, given a bit, the <laughs> Columbians might England have team. whistled every time the England team got the ball. But it was like all in good fun and all in good jest. And that has been the entire vibe of all these tournaments and people who have come into this tournament supporting England have been wearing Columbia shirts and people who are Australian have been supporting England and like you know it's just that and everyone's been cheering like even if you're from Japan you're cheering other it's just it doesn't matter like and it's just um you can just have a nice tournament where you support quality football rather than it just being oh, I've got to stick to my side and that's it because there's just been so many incredible moments in this tournament so yeah without getting really kind of like you know, overly emotional now that we're coming to the back end, the, the crunch time of the uh, the tournament. I don't want to shed a tear, but I do feel a little bit upset that we've only got three or four days left of this because, um, yeah, it's been it's been a wild experience. Yeah, um, but we'll now, for the next podcast, we've got to talk about like some of our favourite moments. We'll do a bit of a roundup because yes. there's just been so many key, significant, funny, ridiculous times in this tournament that we all need to, to share so but if you've got any listeners like if you've got any like ridiculously lovely things that you've like picked up on the tournament any kind of lovely little anecdotes of you know people that you've spoken to in taxis or on the street or clubs that you or teams that you started supporting that you didn't support at the start of the competition let us know because we want to hear all your heartwarming beautiful lovely stories to finish off what has been the most incredible month of working on upfront in Australia, down under. Um, yeah, it's just been absolutely incredible. And a big shout out to all the people who have come up to us in the streets um, and said, love oh, I like, love the pods. Like, we're really enjoying things. So, like, we absolutely appreciate you, um, yeah, giving us that feedback because that's always absolutely lovely to hear. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for, for listening in, guys. Um, to today's episode of Upfront, I say today, it's like tonight. It's like 1.44 here in the morning. We're absolutely shattered. <laughs> um, we'll be back this weekend to talk the third or fourth playoff and the World Cup final Spain v England who would have thought it I did remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram I am at Morgie underscore 89 Rach is at girls on the ball and we are generally at upfront underscore pod you can also find us on YouTube at upfront pod see you for the final Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.